Welcome to Scaling with Disha, the show that helps online entrepreneurs to scale their business to six figures and beyond without the hustle or the overheads. I'm your host, Disha Waddup, and I'll be here each week to remind you that you can do anything you set your mind to. Welcome back to another episode of Scaling with Disha. I am here today talking to Anwi, and we're going to be talking all about finance and wealth, which I'm super excited about because this is a brand new first topic here on Scaling with Disha. So I cannot wait to get stuck in. Anwi Ba is a certified business wealth strategist, gender racial wealth gap advocate, and founder of Wealth Fluency. She helps successful driven businesswomen gain clarity and control of their finances to attain financial independence. Having 10 years experience with major banks in Europe to implement systems that make them a lot of money, she's uniquely placed to help women understand their finances and develop systems that help them build wealth, achieve financial security, and the freedom they are looking for. Welcome, Anwi, to Scaling with Disha. How are you? Excited. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Disha. I am looking forward to this. Anything money, anything women making money and wealth, I am totally there. (laughs) Yay. So tell us some of your backstory. Tell us how did you get into this field? I got into finance by fluke, to be honest. Um, So what happened is I did my, well, I dropped out of med school. Um, My parents wouldn't let me be Um, African descent. We have to be graduates. So I went back and I was like, okay, let me just do something. And trying to leverage the year, the two, a year and a half, two years that I did in med school, I leveraged that. So I became a biomedical scientist so that I don't have to do all the years all over again. Then being a biomedical scientist, you need to have one year training. And in the UK, we have only one employer that does training, which is the NHS. So you have all those universities churning out graduates, but then you have like three, four um, trainee positions that come up in the whole country. So whilst I was waiting for me to get my trainee opportunity, um, I took a full-time role at the bank. I was working part-time during during uni. And then I just kind of got caught up into that and I became a business advisor and just grew up in the bank. Um, So that's how I ended up um, in financial services and became a business analyst, then did my certifications in business analysis and business architecture, and then became a consultant where I just go in now and help them deliver these projects and systems and implementations when the FCA decides that, yes, we need to do more consumer rights because we need to safeguard our consumers. Or when the EU decides like, yes, there's just too much um, commissions taking place, which was the latest one, people are, what was happening is people were directing consumers towards where they were getting more commission than rather where was more suitable for the um, clients. So they tried to stop that. So that was, again, something that we brought in and ended up in investment banking. And that is where Wealth Fluency came about because I kind of noticed a massive disparity between the private banking clients I was working with via the private bank and then the, you know, Jane of the block business owner that was doing her thing. And one thing I noticed is that one, they were all business owners. So let me just clarify that where they're like, the only way to build wealth is not business. Think about it. All these big time CEOs that you see out there, they've got a side hustle that is paying them well. They're either speakers or they're non-executive directors or they're chairman of different entities that are paying them. 
So let's just put that into perspective that even these big guys that are getting six figure bonuses. Yeah. Have hustles. So yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody has multiple sources of income, right? That's how you get exactly. wealthier and richer, multiple sources of income. Exactly. So this applies to entrepreneurs as well as um, professional career ladies um, in tandem. And then the second thing I noticed um, whilst with them was the way they went about their money, the way they structured and the strategy that they were using around their wealth was like it had nothing to do with how much they were actually bringing to the bank and it had nothing to do with their net worth because a lot of them were ultra high net worth anyways it it was just the day-to-day in regards to how they set up their business the tax strategies that they're putting in place and how they also set up their um family offices as well which is like a specific company that is set up just to run your business and your investments and how they do all that so that they make sure that, you know, one is feeding the other at all times. And that is what I wanted to bring to small business owners, especially business women, because we have been boxed in a little box saying that we're moms and so on and so forth. And a lot of us are breaking out of that, but society is not used to us breaking out of that box as yet. So right now we're literally kicking and screaming like, hear us, literally, we are the suffragettes of wealth. Yes, I love that. It, it's it's so funny, isn't it? Because I have been learning and, and delving into this tax structures and company structures and all of that sort of stuff. And when I talk to other people about it, they're like, oh, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, but you're a business owner. Like, surely there's something you, sh- you should have ha- had some knowledge or look into how you can structure your business better and differently so what, how do we do that? How do we, should we be structuring our finances to become more wealthy? <laughs> That's a very big question. <laughs> absolutely, 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 absolutely. What is happening, especially in the online space is that we get carried away by fads. So right now, everybody wants to be a six-figure earner. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everybody wants to be a billionaire fine but is it in alignment with the kind of lifestyle you want to create for yourself because to run a million dollar business to run a global business to run that kind of business it takes a certain amount of um energy it takes a certain amount of effort and even though you are not running it day to day you have to manage these teams you have to manage your management that is running this for you as well so is that what you want so You have to decide what it is that you want to do with your business. Ideally, are you looking to sell it? Are you looking to close it when you have basically reached your climax? Are you looking to hand it over to the kids? Depending on what that is would depend as well as to how you structure your business and how much input you need to put into the business itself. So yes, definitely. If you want to build wealth, you need to have a certain financial structure in place. Just the same as if you want to build wealth, what business model are you using? Okay, me trying to build a global business, my business model will look different from me looking just to make enough to pay my bills, live comfortably, and, you know, buy a bargee on the Thames. (laughs) Yeah. Different values, different amount of um, energy I want to put into my business. So it always has to start back with you. What is your definition of wealth? Yes, that I think that's so important, isn't it? Because other people have 
wildly ver different versions and what I have on my vision board will be completely different to what other people have and I know from from people that come into my home and look at my vision board they think it's astronomically excessive <laughs> and I'm like what it's totally achievable I don't see what what are you talking about <laughs> but it's it's different versions of the way that you see life I guess and how and what like you said your version of what wealthy is for you yes 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 and that is what makes it sustainable and that's what makes it makes you stick with it in the dark days in the rainy days in the days that you know you have the 12th no from a client. Um, that's what makes you stick with it because it is your definition and you're not aspiring for something that is abstract to you. Yeah. So if you want the million dollar business, if you want to be a millionaire, now cascade it back. It needs to be anchored into different aspects of your life. Yeah. If it's just, I want to be a millionaire, the likelihood of you achieving it is very, very low. Instead, if you want to be a millionaire because... One, I want to start this NGO. Then I want to, you know, retire my husband. Then I want to travel the world with the kids. Or I want to buy this house up in, I don't know, the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know why I chose <laughs> that. It just came. But you can see how I could taste, I could feel, I could see my million dollars. Yeah. And that is what you want to do. You want to like literally engage all the senses so that it's more realistic for you. And with that, you're able to then quantify quantify it and then break it down into what is what is achievable you know like on my vision board I'm like okay um I need to put away enough money so that my kids don't have to pay for university and I've got two boys so I've got the whole college fund um on the vision board as we're talking about vision boards and it's 120k for them not to have to pay any school fees whatsoever and also with expenses and so forth, just using the latest statistics. So it's 120K and that is 60K each. And my eldest is 12. No, he's 13. So I know that I've got you know, five years to hit that mark target of the first 60K. Yeah. And then the other one is nine. So I've got a lot more time to hit the next 60K. Yeah. So you can see how that vision now, I've broken it down into, okay, this is how it actually works out. And then it makes it more achievable. And then I know that, okay, I want to make, you know, six figures in my business. And this is how I'm breaking it down over year one, year two, year three, but let's start with year one. I don't need to do the whole 60 K in one year. Remember I said he's 13. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I've got five years. Yeah. So it makes it more. And that is how you go about building wealth. And again, this is more the financial side of it. Because what I encourage you to do is literally take the world, the word wealth, W-E-A-L-T, and then what does it mean to you? You know, what does the W mean? What does the E mean? What does the A mean? L, ah. H, and so forth. And it actually then, okay, these are my values. This is what it attaches to. And some of it will be money, but all of it is not money. There's your spirituality as well. We know the whole, you know, um, meme that goes around in regards to um, Steve Jobs, that if he, give, if he could give up all his money for one additional minute with his family, he would. Yeah. And that just goes with the health. Your health is your wealth. Okay. Yeah. Your spirituality is your wealth. Your relationship is your wealth. They keep telling you your network is your net worth. What does that look like? Is it building you up or is it literally digging you six feet under? Yeah. So yeah. 
it's all, and I encourage everybody, I know in my space, when we talk about wealth, we talk about money, but it's so much more, more than, it's so much more than money. It's about your happiness and those things that make you happy. And when you know what those are, then yeah, let's funnel money down those routes because it's a means to an end. Yeah. But money plays a big part in our happiness, massive part. Yes. So let's say we're looking for a million dollar business or a six figure. Let's start with a six figure year. Mm-hmm. What is the best way to set up our businesses from a financial perspective to be able to maximize that money and turn it into rather than just money, like say, turn it into wealth? Okay. First things first, I follow profit first. Pay yourself. Yes. Okay. Pay yourself. Pay yourself. Out of every five pounds, pay yourself. Even if it's 50p, do it. It, it, It's a whole, it's a whole, it puts you in a whole different energy space and mindset space in regards to what you're doing and the impact you're having in your business and also in others' lives. So you want to pay yourself first. And with the profit first methodology, it puts you in a place where you are in control. So when a revenue hits your bank account, which is your main business bank account, which before I go into main business bank account, separate it, have your personal and your business. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just assuming that it's already been separated, but definitely separate the two. Yeah, have yeah, a absolutely. One. Yeah, have a, have a personal one. So when you have your five-figure launch and the money lands into your account, these are the five places that you need to split your money out into. Your pay, your taxes, your profits, your operational costs. Yes. And then the last thing is the expense. So what you want to do, you do not want to have an, be in a position where you have a seven-figure launch and 6.9 of it is expenses because you're using all the latest funnels and you've paid so much in ad spend and so on and so forth. So by you taking all of those elements out first, you know that <clears throat> I've only got this amount of money left on expenses. Yeah. I've only got this amount left on my ads budget. Yeah. And then it makes it worth your while and it makes you more creative and inventive in different ways for you to maximize. Maybe it's 500 pounds you have left or maybe it's five grand you have left for expenses. How do I maximize this to still, you know, get the amount of clients I want in, still be able to use the systems I want to use but I've paid myself, I paid my team, my operations are running clean, you know, my taxes are covered. So when comes my tax bill and my VAT bill, I am not panicking. I've worked with so many consultants as well that don't put away for their tax. Then when the tax bill comes, the future clients are the ones then that they have to work for to then be able to pay their tax bill. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. I know I did that my first year of paying tax yeah. and I was like oh crap that's a real thing I have to pay the tax man a whole bunch of money <laughs> and I was that person running around I I've since got better I now have it I I also use the profit first model so I have it and I and I am prepared but I have been that person where the tax man the you know your accountant sent you the bill and you're like I have to pay what to the tax man <laughs> where am I going to find that kind of money? And I remember that first day and I rang a friend of mine in a panic and she, she's not an entrepreneur. She is self-employed. Uh, she's employed. Um, but I rang her and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
but she was the person that encouraged me to go self-employed at the time. And I was like, it's all your fault. (laughs) I didn't realize I was going to have to pay this much money in tax. It's all your fault. And she's like, I didn't do anything. I just told you it's a good idea to start a business. (laughs) I did. (laughs) And so since that day, I have been adamant that I'm going to make sure I have enough money for tax every time that damn tax man rolls around every year and profit first was one of those one of the models that I implemented to help me do that and I think it's amazing model to be able to implement in your in your business and to the profit it's so much fun to spend right (laughs) it is it is you you get to do so much with it you get to actually do investments as well because you have a specific amount and also when it comes to time of like COVID you have money in your owner's pay that you could still pay yourself. You have money in your profits that you could still pay yourself and you could still pay your team. And that is what a wealth business does, a a business that generates wealth rather than just pays you an income. Mm -hmm. Because the struggle that I saw during COVID, when COVID first hit, is that a lot of people had income generating businesses. Yeah. It allowed you to pay your bills full stop. That was it. Yeah. You didn't have any extra buffer. You didn't have any extra to be able to forecast. A lot of small business owners do not forecast. No. So if I say, are you still able to afford this in six months? They could not tell me yes or no. Yeah. And COVID shed a light on a lot of this discrepancies and um, blind spots within small businesses. Because as soon as it hit, everybody was going out for a loan and it wasn't going out for a loan for six months or 12 months time. It was going out for a loan now. Yeah. And it's like, no, it shouldn't be for now. Yeah. If it's for now, then our cash flow management, our money management is leaking somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. How much of a budget do you think people need? So you said about, you know, would you be able to pay for this in six months time? And now having had COVID, and what we've all experienced, how much of a budget do you think is a good amount of budget to say you've got a wealthy business rather than just an income generating business? For me to start off, um, if you can forecast at least six months ahead. So if I could forecast at least six months ahead and know that, okay, if everything stops today, my business is still operational for another six months. That's what I mean. Yeah. If your business is still operational for another six months, so I could still pay my taxes, I could still pay myself, I could still pay my team, you are generate, you have a wealth business because you know that, you know, I've got six months to pivot, I've got six months to be inventive, to be creative, I've got six months to find joint ventures and partners to, you know, yeah. weather any kind of storm. Yeah. So start with six months. If you could go down to a year, that is fantastic. Yeah. But start with, in fact, start with three months because we're still in COVID and, you know, variants seem to be coming out of, you know, the thin air. Like, <laughs> yeah, today I'm going to be Omicron. Tomorrow yeah. I'm going to be, was it Florona <laughs> or some other weird other name that would come. So start with three months. If you can forecast for at least three months, that's a good start because a lot of this is not about getting it right. A lot of it is exercising your financial muscle. A lot of it is around now that you're three, four, five figures, you're exercising this muscle so that by the time you're the six, seven, eight figure earner, a lot of this will become a habit. A lot of this will become a routine to you so that all your 
trials and error have been done at a smaller scale where it has a lesser time impact, cost impact, and quality impact. Yeah. When you start doing those errors, six, seven, eight figures, it's a bigger impact to you, to your customers, also to your brand. Yeah. So when you talk about forecasting, what does that really mean? And what does that look like? Is that just writing down everything that goes in and out of your bank account? How would you do that? What does that, what does that look like? Okay. So when it comes to forecasting, you do start with, okay, this is the amount of money that I have in my account. This is the amount of, it's basically tracking your in and outs of money. There are certain ins that you know are definitely happening and there are certain outs that are definitely happening. And those ones are standard. So you have your fixed cost, which is your Zoom. Your Zoom is always going to be $14. That is not going to change, except obviously if you upgrade your package. Yeah. But that's a fixed cost. But then you have your variable cost, like your travel. Yeah. You might travel this month. You might not travel next month. So with that, you kind of say an average. An average, this is how much it costs me. And then you put all your fixed costs and your variable costs down. And what you want to do is start looking ahead. So last month, this is what happened. This month, this is what I think will happen because we're still in the month. Next month, this is what I see happening. Yeah. Okay. And you carry on there because you are, you know, your business best. Even if you have an accountant, you know, your business best, you know, how you're marketing your business, you know, your clients best. So your, your accountant, if they provide a certain service, might come and say, Ooh, you know what? We don't think you should really, you know, launch this new product because it's going to eat into your cash flow. Yeah. You within your business, you're like, Oh, um, it's Valentine's and I do cupcakes. Yeah. I know we're in COVID, but I know people still, because we have locked, we have, we've released lockdown. A lot of people are still meeting with their loved ones now and they want to celebrate a little bit. So yes, I am going to spend that extra money to make sure that I'm able to deliver all these cupcakes, which your accountant might not agree on, but you know the atmosphere better to be able to judge that. So when it comes to your forecast, then every time you forecast, you always come back and say, okay, I thought I was going to make 300 in sales, um, pay off 100 to one of my creditors and so on and so forth. What actually happened? Yeah. And when you start comparing what you forecast and what actually happened, you would see that over time, your guesses, which is what it is, would get closer and closer to actually what it is that you get. Yeah. So that's why you start now rather than when you get to seven figures. Exactly that. Exactly that. And then when you realize that, oh my God, I am literally to the penny or even to the dollar or 10 pounds of what I forecast, then you know that six months when I say I'm going to do 7K, I am going to do 7K because you know what you're capable of. You've seen it. You've got the data to tell you this. And with that data as well, if you're looking to sell your business, that's what investors will be looking for. Yeah. Are you a cash, cash rich business or not? Are you a profitable business or not? And when you're looking at your forecasting, mm-hmm. this is something that you as a business owner have to do, right? Or can you outsource that? Can you give that to your accountant to do? Or your bookkeeper or somebody else? It can be done from a numerical perspective. They could just literally 
based on your past yeah. yeah based on your past numbers these are your future numbers um as a newcomer if you've just started your business and you don't have part past numbers then it's up to you to kind of benchmark that based on you and based on the industry you're in what are the industry standards but you can do it your bookkeeper can do it um your software even can you know run forecasts for you but they are based on your numbers so you kind of have to put something in to get something yeah. out so it's one of those saying that um do do in do do out yeah <laughs> i'm trying to be pc here i was thinking should i say it or should i not say it I went with, like, the child version of it but what you put into your forecast is what you get out so you yeah. have to make sure that you're actually putting in the right data because the best thing for you as a ceo is that when you make a decision you have data to back you up as well and it's not just gut feeling because gut feeling is usually where we start that have a gut feeling that this is going to work but imagine the extra boost and the extra confidence it gives you when your data say the same thing as well yes to actually make that informed decision that i'm making this decision my data might disagree with me but i'm aware that my data disagrees with me for this reasons or i'm aware my data agrees with me yeah and you're more informed and you're more aware which is the biggest biggest thing are we putting these forecasts on spreadsheets or do we have some advanced software that you're using to do those or are we just tapping it into a computer screen or, or using pen and paper <laughs> whatever um you could use pen and paper maybe pencil more than pen but i wouldn't recommend that um you could use spreadsheets if so you wish um and they, you can depending how automated it is you can just put in your figures and then the rest kind of concatenates from that or your QuickBooks as well should be able, you, you should be able to draw some of this information out to have a cash flow forecast. So there is software out there that can support you or you can use a spreadsheet if um, somebody can put it together for you or you can put it together for yourself if you're that technically inclined. Yeah. I would say don't <laughs> like focus on what is you. So if you're a bookkeeper or an accountant, you probably already do this, but if you're not and you think that is not necessarily where you want to spend your time get something already pre-made because the focus that I want you to focus on is being able to just take the numbers that you need yeah and make a decision I don't want you to spend your time doing what your accountant your bookkeeper or a wealth strategist can do for you because your time is more value you make more money doing what you do than trying to you know run play with numbers no so definitely let your accountant run the reports. You take the reports and say, okay, this is what my profit and loss is saying. This is what my spreadsheet, my forecast is saying. Based on this, I'm in good health or, you know, I'm on support machine. What, what is going on? What, what is happening? And that yeah. is where you're most um, resourceful as a CEO. Yeah. I, you just touched on, you're a wealth strategist, right? So what does that mean? you do when you come into somebody's business what does that look like that's different to everybody knows they need an accountant or most people know they need an accountant to uh you know submit their tax return at the end of the year or it's useful i never touch that myself because i mess it up (laughs) so i know everybody knows you need an accountant for that bit what do you need a wealth strategist for what do you do inside of somebody's business Okay, so a wealth strategist, when I come into a business, I kind of focus on three areas or three levels with you. I start with self-optimization and self-optimization is you as the CEO. So making sure that 
your mindset is on point with where it is that you want to go because mindset is a never ending work. We keep building and building and building on top of it. So who you were when you were making, you know, three figures, you need to be somebody different from a mindset perspective to be able to hit six figures. Yeah, absolutely. So dig deep to, to go high. Yeah. Yeah. So we focus on mindset. Also, we focus on how your forecasting is. So we start putting in that, you know, start exercising that financial muscle that your accountant is giving you this. What are you doing with it? Do you understand how to read your profit and loss by just focusing on the relevant numbers, not like going blind with ants all over the page kind of thing? Now we don't go that in depth um, and train you to be able to have that conversation with your accountant to be able to have the conversation with your financial advisor when you get to that stage that you really want to go institutional investing. Yeah. So that is what the whole mindset and self-optimization is all about. Then we go into business optimization. What are your processes? How do you optimize that to make sure that they're lean and efficient? Because sometimes we build our business processes so cumbersome because over time we keep adding things to it, but we've never yeah. actually gone through the journey that, okay, do we need all these pieces to it? And how does it flow? So it's just looking at that and making sure that all the systems that you're stacking on your processes are there for a purpose. Yeah. Okay. So that alignment, then on top of that, we have the talent. So always start with your process, then your systems. Your systems should always complement a process. A lot of the times we get a system and then we try to fit it into a process. No, your process should come first. So imagine everything crashes today and no computers work. How would you manually do it? <laughs> that, is, that is literally the bones of your process. And then you put your systems that automates things. Yeah. And shortens the time, which makes you more money because you're saving time. And then your talent, you're bringing people in to do a specific role. Because when you have all this in place, you, you almost literally have your job description because yeah. you know the process, the system. So can you do this system with this process? Yeah, easy. And that is exactly super easy. And that is our business optimization process, systems and talent. Then we're going to legacy optimization, your taxes. Are you using all the tax incentives that are available to you based on where you are? So we shouldn't be repelled by taxes. We should try to see how do we leverage it? Yeah. Because the governments use taxes to try to funnel people a certain direction. So when they're looking for people to build more houses, they give you tax breaks if you decide that you're going to build a house. Yes. Or if you decide you're going to do development. So is that in alignment with what you're doing? Can you, you know, make use of that tax break? What tax breaks can you use? What tax deductibles are you not using that you can use? You know, are you deducting the uniform if you have any branded out outfits? That's a uniform tax deductible. So look at your taxes, look at exit plan. Do you have an exit plan? Are you planning to work until the end? What, what does that look like? Are you passing it on to the kids? If you are, we look at succession planning and so forth. And then we invest, 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 invest. <laughs> Start looking at investments and aligning it with who you are. So maybe you're like, I don't really do stocks and shares, but I love business then we could do investing in businesses. Yeah. You know, either, you know, investing in startups, investing in joint ventures, there's so many different ways to invest that are not only, you know, stock market. And also there, when you're investing, it gives you tax breaks. If you're using your full ISA, tax-free. Yeah. You know, and, and all those things. If you're using um, the 
investments, the CIS, that is also a tax break that you can get. If you're using R&D, research and development, that's another tax break as well. So there are wow. various ways that you can put your money and you're getting that tax break. So that at the end of the day, I have made my six-figure launch. I've put my money in my ISA. I've put my money in SIS. I'm claiming back on research and development because I'm testing this new thing out, innovation in my business. So I'm taking all that money out before I actually declare any tax, any profits. Yeah. And that is absolutely fine because then your corporation tax is based on your profit. Yeah. So you've already done all these things that is saving you a whole lot of money, is allowing you to keep more money. So then your tax bill is minimized. I think the tax is so complex. And I think uh, often regular accountants that you work with don't, know all the loopholes they just go oh you've spent that that's what you owe the tax man then and it often is left up to the entrepreneur or the business owner to be saying oh I thought I could claim this or I thought I could claim that or what else can I claim what else can I put through and it's through networking sometimes that I I hear oh you could claim this and I was like oh okay like a, a Christmas party for myself I was like yeah. I didn't know that I'll put that down. <laughs> I had something the other day. Oh, you can you can buy yourself a gift voucher every four months. So I was like, okay, figure out how to put that through my taxes. Like these different loopholes that you learn from having conversations with people and by working with somebody like you who can tell us those things that make our lives so much easier. And we're not just using this, utilizing the system to our advantage rather than just black and white this is what you earn and this is what you have to pay totally 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 um the degree of accountants that are out there is a spectrum and it really depends um what you get unfortunately but the great thing that you've just said Dadisha, is that you were able to ask the questions yeah so you were able to inform yourself to kind of say shouldn't I be able to deduct this and that is where I want to make sure that all CEOs are that you're like this is your job yeah (laughs) I want to deduct this you know I want to deduct this how can I make it work or I want to you know I want to buy my house so how much do I need to make to be able to buy this house to have the right deposit down yeah that conversation because what I noticed from the 2008 breakdown um, was that a lot of people were not able to have these educated conversations with their financial advisor. Yeah. And they bought a lot of things that they didn't quite understand. All they knew is that it's going to make me money. How is going to make you money? You don't really know. How is it going to lose you money? You don't really know. And I'm not saying go out there and, you know, get a PhD on subprimes, but just, okay, if house prices go up, I'm making money. If house prices go down, I'm losing money. That is the level that I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're disinformed, you're like, okay, I could have an educated conversation with my financial advisor so that we're on par and they're not selling to me. Yeah. And that is where I want you to be with your financial advisor. That is where I want you to be with your accountant, that we are equals here. Yeah. I know what is going on with my business. I need you to tell me what's going on with this. And I need you to tell <laughs> me what is going on with that. Exactly the way you do with your VAs. Exactly yeah. the way you do with other members of your team. They're a member of your team. 
So me coming in and helping you strengthen your fine, your chief financial officer hat. Yes. Really, really, really helps you to hit the seven figures faster or the six figures or whatever that goal. It allows you to hit it faster and allows you to make it more sustainable because sometimes we run faster than we can handle and yeah. run out of breath and then yes. burn out and everything else. So it's about sustainable wealth, not just run for the eight figures, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I love that creating sustainable wealth. And, and I think it's so important. I have, um, I've spoken to clients of mine that have no idea how much money they've made in their business. And they're like, Oh, I'm just waiting for the accountant to come back and tell me I'm like, what, what, why don't you know? <laughs> I'm like, how, how have you been running your business? So <laughs> I think it's so, such an important thing to be doing to getting out there and, and having this financial conversation with business owners, because there are so many business owners that just don't understand how to run their business from a financial perspective. So you have been so enlightening today. It's been refreshing. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for everything you. that you've shared. Oh, uh, thanks. And if I could just add to that, Disha, um, it's, it's not your fault if you <laughs> you say your accountant is going to deal with that because that is our money story. Yeah. Our husband is going to take care of it or somebody else is going to take care of it. We're always, we've been trained to be the damsel in distress. So yeah. when we don't do certain things, it's not necessarily our fault, but start looking at your money story. You doing that, is it beneficial to you at the end of the day? Yeah. Yes. I love that. And you have a quiz, right? Tell people about the quiz that they can do to find out more about their money in their business. Oh, absolutely. So the Wealth Booster quiz is all about finding your money archetype, which is great. We just spoke about money story. So it's understanding your money archetype. So if you've done any or you've come across Denise, um, Denise, Denise, Duffel, Thomas, yeah. Yeah, you would know that she speaks a lot around um, your money archetype um, that was coined by um, Summer Kendall, if I get her, got her name right. And I just use that. So again, you discover what your money archetype is. And over working with business owners, I've discovered that they fall into four specific categories, which is a merge of the work that um, Denise has done. And how do you leverage that? When, which irritates me, when you come into the financial space, everybody's trying to change you to be this money savvy person, to be this saver, to be this person. And what tends to happen is that you fall back into your routine, into your normal habits. Yeah. I'm like, what are those normal habits and how do we leverage it? Let's work on the strengths of those habits because none of them are right or wrong. I'm a compulsive spender. (laughs) And being a compulsive spender can be detrimental to me as well as can be beneficial. Yeah. Or how do I work more on the strengths? So like, you know, putting more money in my ISA, you know, um, looking at different investments. I could go in investing more in myself, you know, getting coaches and so forth. I'm still spending compared to, you know, spending crazy amounts on shoes. Yeah. And then it's not stopping spending shoes. We're like, yeah, you, you like shoes. So how do we put money aside so that when you feel like buying shoes, you buy your shoes without the guilt? Yes. That is your money archetype. Oh, that's my own archetype. But I'm (laughs) leveraging it so that it's not detrimental to me. So when you take the quiz, it tells you what your money archetype is. And it tells you how, what your gifts are, what your challenges are, and how you leverage that within your business to build wealth. Fantastic. I love it. So I'll drop the link down below in the show notes for everybody to have a look at. And tell people how they can work with you. 
oh, how you can work with me. So I currently run a six to eight week program called Cash Flow to Profit Mastery, which is basically taking you through some of the elements that I've spoken with um, Deisha today around, you know, self-optimization and business optimization and legacy optimization and making sure that you have all those in place or start thinking about it. And that is how you can work with me. And this is a group program. So you can totally reach out to me, whether it's on LinkedIn or on Instagram and on both platforms. And let's have a conversation on, is it suitable for you? And you can totally go on the waiting list for the next cohort. Yay. And I'll pop the link to that down below as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been amazing speaking to you and I have learned so much. I'm sure our listeners will have as well. So thank you so much. Is there anything that you came to say that you haven't had a chance to say that you just want to impart for the last moment on our listeners what i want to impart don't let the limitations of your eyes limit your mind for the more you're not taking action the more wealth you're losing oh i love it that is amazing such a good quote i love it (laughs) thank you for having me so much for coming on i really really (laughs) appreciate it and we will see everybody here next week for another episode of scaling with disha Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I really hope that you genuinely learned something from today's episode. If you found this episode useful, then please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. I personally read each and every one. Until next time, bye.